in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more. This is Potential Picks. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Potential Picks. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by the newest member of this uh, squad, Taylor Sokol. That's right. You better do what you need to do or I'm going to push a little button. Your head's going to explode. Uh, <laughs> that's how we get these uh, episodes out, folks. We, we you know keep that pressure going. Uh, today we're reviewing uh, a spoiler review for the new DC superhero film, The Suicide Squad, written and directed by James Gunn. So this was an interesting thing to develop. Uh, of course, there was that whole story a couple years ago when the you know the tweets came out of something James Gunn had said like ten years ago, and and at that time Disney fired him from Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And in that time process of him kind of being on the free market, uh, DC was like, hey, we want to take another crack at that ensemble film of Suicide Squad, which didn't do so well the first time. And they got James Gunn, who obviously has handled uh, ensemble films really well with his uh, great films of Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. And then the funny thing was, once he started making Suicide Squad, eventually... uh, James Gunn was rehired by Disney. So we are getting him back for Grants of the Galaxy 3 coming up. But this was exciting to see that James Gunn would have a take on the Suicide Squad. And I think because the first movie, it is kind of a mixed review thing where some people didn't like it or some did not like it. This might be a great way to kind of bring back some of these characters and also to see a rated R version of this uh, property which, you know, after the success of things like Deadpool and Logan, I think people have been gunning more for... I like I like the plain words. <laughs> gunning for that? Yeah. But, yeah, pun intended, a little more of the kind of over-the-top, and this definitely took that to the nth degree. So, before we continue with this, we have to give you your spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. So, Taylor, what is a brief synopsis of this version of the suicide squad so this is a little bit kind of a loose pseudo sequel to the original suicide squad uh in this film task force x uh, also known aka the suicide squad is a task force of convicts that are sent to destroy evidence of a giant alien uh or some sort of project called project starfish and the giant alien of starro and uh, so we kind of, you know, going off of seeing the first Suicide Squad, you have some returning characters back. And we get introduced to a whole kind of mixed bag of DC, the DC list of, you know, B or more like C, D, E list of villains. And I think that's the great thing about the Suicide Squad. Um, you, you don't know who you're going to get, but you're going to get some of those. And uh, what, uh, what was great about this film was, you know, James Gunn took a lot of inspiration from... Uh, war films as well as John Ostrander's 1980s Suicide Squad comics uh, and kind of taking a story totally separate from the film's original narrative uh, for that. So very was very excited about this because, again, for those of you who love it or hate it or hate it to love it, love to hate it, the original Suicide Squad, I did enjoy it uh, to a point. Many parts of it I enjoyed. And, you know, those that I didn't enjoy going into this film, the stuff that I enjoyed 
exemplified and the stuff I didn't like wasn't there. You know, this is a great, fun film. Right off the bat, James Gunn was a great choice for this as director. We know with the Guardians of the Galaxy series, he knows how to create a good ensemble film. Also, we've seen with Brightburn and his contributions to the other, you know, little horrific. He knows how to do a little bit of gore, a little bit of <laughs> extra violence. This is what the Suicide Squad kind of is all about. They're a reluctant ragtag group of heroes, air quotes. So in this, you know, they get the job done, but it's a little messy. They're unorganized. They're kind of thrown in together. And this movie just took it to the nth degree. Uh, right off the bat, in the very beginning of the movie, <laughs> great, oh, great wow. action. And we're set with, okay, we've got our team ready to go. And one by one, boom, uh, they are just completely pretty much annihilated. And I was like, we've got Obli some obliterated, obliterated, I mean, literally uh, piece wow. by piece. Some of them <laughs> It was just like, okay, this is the film we're going to literally within the first 20, 15, 20 minutes. You're going to be like, okay, this is why I waited for this film. And it was surprising because the, a lot of the footage from the trailers featured a lot of these characters and so you kind of got the gist of, oh, these are like some of the team members by like the end of the movie. Nope. Uh, yeah, just really surprising that that first big sequence where um, we have Pete Davidson, you got Michael Rooker, Nathan Fillion. Uh, I mean, they all just get killed. Uh, you know, we got <laughs> Flula Borg in there and uh, uh, mailing. uh I'm, I'm probably going to butcher this, I'm assuming, who plays Mongol. Um, and all these characters just all die instantly. And they definitely did not hide the fact that this is going to be um, radar art, increasing the violence, um, a really big step up in the gore. And it actually plays into that overly kind of cartoon idea of, of, you know, the Suicide Squad is this group of convicts who... They have to do what they have to do. It, it helps them to decrease their jail sentence. And if they ever go off mission or they, you know, they have the chip in their head that Milo Davis, who of course is back as Amanda Waller, could kill them instantly at any second. And we we do see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We see that. And it plays up that these guys uh, and gals are expendable. They're not the heroes of the story. So if we lose them, oh, well, it's not like superhero Batman. We lose them. Oh, no. No, uh, we have plenty of convicts who are looking to reduce their sentence. So we, you know, we're going to. So pretty much anyone is up for grabs. And, like, there's a lot of great moments where, I mean, the first 10 minutes, like I said, boom. And then just throughout the film, you just don't know what to expect. And it's constantly eye-head-popping moments, you know, uh, <laughs> just like. Uh, I'm just like, wow. And got to say, for the cast that stick throughout the film that do survive, there was just some great casting choices. I was glad to see. Obviously, we get some returning um, returning actors and actresses. Uh, Margot Robbie, who plays Harley Quinn. Again, in all her glory, she's you know been kind of a constant in the DCEU. And she really just, for the first iteration of a live screen adaption of Margot Ro um, Harley Quinn, perfect. Again, uh, we get uh, Joel Kinnaman uh, back as Rick Flagg. Uh, we also get Viola Davis as Amanda Waller, who's kind of, you know, the leader of this uh, group. Um, Jack Courtney, who very brief as Captain Boomerang again. Very brief. That was that was actually, I, I thought that was one of the most surprising things was uh, 
he's in the movie for all two minutes. Uh, then he dies and you're like, oh, wow, that character that was in the first movie, gone. Um, but obviously they're not going to kill off Harley Quinn because she's too important. And we did know that although some people liked um, Will Smith's portrayal in Suicide Squad, um, we have Idris Elba here now taking kind of the helm as somewhat the leader of this new group and he's playing Bloodsport. So if people think that, oh, he looks like in the trailer, he's holding a gun and it looks like he has a story about his daughter as well. Totally different characters, totally different setup. Um, and this is like a fantastic role for Idris Elba. I mean, of course he's fantastic and everything, but I love the setup that he's in jail because he shot Superman with the kryptonite bullet and put him in um, the hospital. So you gotta think, wow, this guy must really know how to <laughs> use a gun. And he does kind of have to kind of take up the mantle of the leader of this group. And the great uh, just partnership slash uh, male rivalry of having John Cena here as Peacemaker. I mean, John Cena obviously has definitely stepped up in the last few years of getting to do more movie roles. And we just saw him in Fast 9. This is like pivotal John Cena type role where he gets to do a lot of action, but also is incredibly funny. Um, Peacemaker, his, his character is very, it's like the douchey version of Captain America. He's yeah. all about America, freedom, peace, and he's willing to kill and maim and do anything to keep that peace. So, of course, literally, the next message. Anything. <laughs> exactly. And, and I mean, wow. And I mean, I love that scene uh, early in the movie when they're going through the jungle and they're just killing everyone and they get to they find rick flag and he's like this is my friend who uh you know they're part of the, re the revolution and they're like where's all my men he's like we didn't see any men because uh, <laughs> they've killed every single person and then we have yeah the interesting choice here of uh including the character of king shark who i think a lot of people may only know that character really from maybe video games um or if you watched uh, the flash the flash series recently and sylvester stallone is hilarious as this i mean of course he's just doing the voice work really for this character but i did feel like king shark kind of stole the show throughout the movie um because they do play him up as really he is lower intelligent he uh doesn't say as many words and he's just constantly hungry and it was actually really funny to see how much they put into the character that he kind of, he's kind of depressed that he doesn't have friends and that he's kind of laughed at as a joke. Like they gave him a lot of emotion and heart for a character that is this giant shark that goes around and eats people and can rip them in half. Um, and I, I really did love that. I think that he was one of the, the scene stealers from the whole movie and the CGI work on him was like fantastic. Oh, incredible. And they, and it was like, you know, it, it didn't blur. It could have been gone the wrong way and could have made him too cutesy, like Baby Groot or Baby Yoda. So I thought this was really well done because it was like, oh, he's so adorable. But it's like, okay, no, he'll eat you in a heartbeat. <laughs> I just Stallone as the voice. It's like, oh, just great. Uh, just like, just perfect. And I, I do love Stallone's kind of like his little unsung hero uh, for James Gunn. And then the look at... You know, with the Suicide Squad being a, a team that has these characters that are definitely not as well known. Uh, again, that kind of C-list, even D-list DC characters. We have Polka Dot Man and Ratcatcher 2 here, um, which is, I think, it's it's kind of funny. You look at the trailer and you're kind of going, 
I don't know how that's going to work. And yet it really does. Um, you know, we have David Dasmolchin here, who's been a fantastic character actor in so many things and not his first time in the, the DC properties. I mean, he was, of course, a small part in The Dark Knight. Um, but I really liked how they visualized the polka dots, how it kind of, you know, they're kind of like growing festering boils on him and he has to he has to release them so that he won't you know kind of blow up and stuff and man the humor of him having this this like thing about his mom and so that kept being like just just imagine it's your mom and he keeps seeing like enemies as his mom and stuff i mean <laughs> i just love was, i love the one scene hysterical. where they're at this kind of night this nightclub and they're all like having a good time and he's just like dancing and all he sees is his mom <laughs> like little things like that but yeah you're right he's definitely a stranger to these films and actually speaking of the flash he also was abracadabra another villain in that series so oh, okay. so a little fun fact and then danielle daniela melchior as uh yeah rat catcher too a fun character i think uh, again more of the heart of the movie uh, we see a lot more of her kind of flashbacks with her. And I would, you know, I was so curious the whole movie uh, going into it. Um, I knew that Taika Waititi was part of this film, but didn't know where he was going to line up in this. And um, a cute little role as um, her father who taught her the ways of how to train these rats, um, which I thought was a fun character. And it was kind of a fun use of that power throughout. Um, and how, you know, I think, uh, again, it's that kind of simple message of, um there's more of us than there are them kind of thing. You know, the small, small, but mighty, a lot of things, you know, great things come in small packages. So um, I thought it, it was a good combo of all these characters. You have, uh, you know, yes, Margot Robbie, definitely one of her uh, better roles, Harley Quinn. I think this was a great way for her to, to continue that character. And she gets a lot of great moments in this where she gets to ham it up uh, both in the sinister, crazy way, but then also the violent way. Um, and just having the team, it was it was a fun way to start that movie with so many characters, um, many of them die, and you're going on this journey with these characters throughout the whole thing, and it and kind of neat that it was all set on this one island. You know, it wasn't like a movie where it's like multiple locations. It was again like going into one place, and we're taking care of of you know trying to get to this one giant uh, tower, Yodaheim, Yodaheim, y- Yodaheim. Um, I was like, where's Loki? Uh, Heimdall? Uh, no, you're right. So there wasn't this, you know, bouncing back and forth. The stuff is it, it gave it a little bit more focus and structure. Um, you know, for a, over a two hour film, it doesn't it doesn't drag. Like I said, this like kept you on the edge of your seat. And I think we agree when you're watching films and they're over two hours, you got to be careful with that where you, you feel like there's some dragging moments. And there was never really a moment, even the quieter uh, moments. I did really get a kick out of the uh, I, I don't know, like all the, the actors, characters names, but I did like Amanda Waller's, you know, team of these little techies behind the scene. I did like this kind of like, it gave me some fun vibes of kind of like in the beginning where they're kind of, who's going to, who's going to bite it. it. Gave me kind of like cabin in the woods kind of vibes. Cabin in the woods. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I thought that was really, that was really fun. Um, also to think of another, another, this is another uh, filmmaker, James Gunn, who, um, similar to Ron Howard and other directors who like to use family. Um, we know that Sean Gunn has been, you know, um, heavily used in the Guardians of the Galaxy films, uh, both as, uh, you know, he's one of the Ravagers, but he also has been, he's been the stand-in for Rocket for all the films. Um, they kind of use him to kind of, you know, show where Rocket would be and then they animate him. Well, of course, James had to use him in this as well. 
So Sean Gunn, he, he does have a brief cameo as Calendar Man, uh, which is kind of fun if you if you caught that. It's a very brief moment in the jail. But um, he, of course, being someone that has brought Rocket to life uh, with the great voice acting of Bradley Cooper, he is the one who uh, brings Weasel into this film. Um, again, a character that isn't used a lot, but uh, I think a character we're going to see more of in the future. Uh, this weird <laughs> looks like a, a giant weasel that can walk on two legs. And we really, the thing, too, is we didn't get to really see what it can do. Um, there's that great scene where he's like, um, you know, Pete Davidson's like, is this a dog? And he's like, no, he's he's not dangerous. Or he's dangerous. He's 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 eaten 21 kids. Or he's like, he's killed 21 children. So I'm like, I want to see what he can do in the future. Um, but I thought it was kind of funny that they did, um, you know, of course, use James, uh, James Gunn's brother, Sean. We have the great Peter Capaldi. Uh, here's the thinker, who's kind of our pseudo somewhat one of our main villain characters who is the one that was working on Project Starfish the entire time. Um, I thought it was great to have him in this, you know, a Doctor Who alum and a great character actor as well. And then just actual the actual CGI work and the whole way they did the big end sequence with this giant Starro character that has these little stars that it can eject from its armpits to, to mind control everyone. Yeah, got to get some serious like 80s uh, alien uh, vibes. A- alien B movie. Like, yeah, it, it was it was like everything you want. It, like mixing genres yeah and it's a, it's a and you know going back after like kind of reading seeing this movie i went back to kind of look at the comics and starro was a huge um villain that like the justice league fought and everything like that so to bring this to life it could have been very comical like this was like scary at times and like i did like some of the stuff was uh, you know we talked about how graphic is there's a little bit of that body horror like as they go into this facility and see people being experimented oh, on Creepy. It was like, ooh, this is intense. So especially like when the star, if like the one of the little stars has come off the face, and you see the face has like sucked off its skin, yeah, where the oh, star yeah. would be. I mean, there was a lot of that in this film. There was, you know, again, the gore element was was there, um, and in some ways very funny, in some ways uh, very intense. And that whole end sequence, you know, we see Peacemaker turn, uh, John Cena's character turning more of a pseudo villain character. Um, and definitely I thought he, he would have died at the end there. I mean, he got shot in the neck and that was a great, again, the rivalry was set up from the beginning of Bloodsport and Peacemaker, but we know that Peacemaker is due to have his own TV show with John Cena back as Peacemaker. And I mean, if you've seen him do any press for this movie, he hasn't taken the damn suit off. So I think he really does like the role. Um, I, everything he's done, I've seen him in that, uh, costume still, but I thought, you know, for a, a new take at this property with these characters and with James Gunn, again, you know, using music to his benefit, he knows oh, how yeah. to blend a great soundtrack um, and just the cinematography and the way the CGI is used, the action, the gore. That's another improvement over the original is the soundtrack for sure. Yes. I think the soundtrack, and we've talked about this and we will continue to talk about this in our podcast, soundtrack is basically, or score is the second character of the thing and that really just sets the tone from the very first scene to the end i really love the the music it kept you kept you going and there's some very interesting choices and tracks and i was just i was really loving uh the selection here i'm like i I found myself wanting to listen to the soundtrack on my commute (laughs) i think that the first suicide squad movie actually did see how 
the formula worked for Guardians of the Galaxy, and that's why they tried to copy it. Um, and a lot of people actually, I remember saying that when the first trailers came out, everyone was like, it's very neon and, and poppy and has all this like music to it. And I think a lot of people were like, not the vibe we thought that movie. And then obviously the movie didn't really do as well as a lot of people hoped it would. And the people have been crying for an AR cut. And I don't think it's going to happen after the Snyder cut. So I do, it's just nice to see that that's something James Gunn handles really well. And it wasn't that he had to include certain songs. He does it for a reason. It fits the character, the movies, the plot keeps the story going. And so honestly, even though, yes, we know that he has this holiday special and guardians three. And that is from what I've been hearing, it will be his last guardians film. He will direct. I would love to see him come back and do a suicide squad too, um, with some of these characters and add a few new to the lineup and see where he could go from this. Because I think of the DC still trying to fight to come back and, you know, try to climb to the same heights that the, the MCU has achieved. I think having James Gunn back could be a lot of fun. And he did say that this was one of the most fun movies he's ever made. Uh, he had a really good time with it. So I'm kind of hopeful that we would get more because I love this style. And I thought that the this is more what I hope to expect from DC from now on, even if it's a PG-13 with not as much violence. This is like the standard now. It's good to see DC kind of back uh, with a really strong movie. I agree, and I think, though, with as we've seen, I think with the DC materials, a lot more gritty, a lot more adult, and I think this is this is kind of the direction DC should go into. I know they're trying to appeal to a bigger audience, but again, play to the source material, and that's what James Gunn had that vision, and hey, keep using directors like James Gunn because they're going to create successful films for you. So I'm so glad that we got to see this. I'm so glad it came out in theaters. Uh, Again, what a great film. Like we said, action, music, casting choices, everything. You'll be in for a very, very fun time. And, of course, you can see this film now out in theaters uh, where they are playing. And, of course, you can watch it if you have HBO Max exclusive at home. And that was this week's other Potential Pick. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.